You are now listening to British Brothers, the True Cry Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to British Murders, the podcast that focuses exclusively on British murder cases and serial killers. I'm your host Stuart Blues and this is the 7th episode of Season 8. Before we get into it, let's break the ice as we always do. The show's first opening icebreaker segment is this. Two facts that sound like bullshit. From the time it was discovered to the time it was stripped of its status as a planet, Pluto hadn't made a full trip around the sun. Now it's time for the show's final opening icebreaker segment. Final quote of the day. If there's one thing that we're very good at as humans, it's remembering the bad stuff. For some reason, it's always the pain that gets you. That was said by Henry Cavill, who famously played Superman. He was born in the place that we are visiting this week. This week's case was suggested by Naomi on Instagram. We're in the island country of Jersey this week, a self-governing British crown dependency known officially as the Bailiwick of Jersey. Here are five quick-fire facts about Jersey. Number one, a very popular type of potato is grown on the island. They're called Jersey Royals and account for around 70% of the island's agricultural turnover. Number two, Jersey has its own banknotes and still uses a one-pound note. The Jersey pound is not a separate currency to pound sterling, they just have their own notes, as does Scotland and Northern Ireland. Number three, although English is the main language spoken, is the traditional language of Jersey, I think it's pronounced Jarret, which is closely related to French. It used to be Jersey's first language. Number four, during World War II, the crown left Jersey defenceless and the island became occupied by German forces. The Jersey war tunnels are a visible reminder of the island's five-year period under German occupation during World War II. And number five, archaeologists on Jersey have discovered 13 teeth from cave dwellers dating from around 48,000 years ago, and their characteristics suggest interbreeding with modern humans. As of the 2021 census, the estimated population of Jersey is 103,267. Let me quickly advise you that this podcast contains elements that may be alarming to some listeners, including the murder of children. As always, listener discretion is advised. Our villain this week is a man called Damien Jashovsky, who, as you may have guessed, is not a native of Britain. Originally born in the southern Poland city of Nowy Sąż, in the country's lesser Poland voivodeship, Damien spent a brief period of his early adult years in the Polish armed forces. Apparently that's the only military entity in the world to use a two-finger salute. Damien didn't last long in the army, and as he approached his mid-twenties, he decided to make a fresh start on one of the British islands. The likely reason Damien chose Jersey to start his new life was that around 3% of the island's inhabitants hail from Polska. That's roughly 3,000 people on an island that's 2,100 times smaller than the UK, with a total area of just 116 square kilometres, or 44.79 square miles. When Damien made the move in 2004, he was accompanied by his partner, Isabella Gartska, with whom he'd been in a relationship since the turn of the millennium. Securing work as a builder on various construction sites throughout the island, Damien was described by his peers as a grafter. 
he worked incredibly hard to earn a living to support his family. Within a year of landing in Jersey, Damien and Isabella got married. It wasn't a lavish affair with numerous guests and an elaborate reception. Instead, it was a low-key ceremony with only a handful of the couple's family members involved as witnesses. Isabella's dad, Marek, acted as one witness, and Damien's brother, whose name I don't know, was another. A few of the couple's close friends were also there, but the whole thing was over rather quickly. From the outside, it may sound like the perfect relationship. Damien and Isabella were young lovers from Poland who had moved to a nice, quiet community on a picturesque island and were building their new life together. To some extent, that was true, but Damien also had a dark side to his personality that saw him in trouble with the states of Jersey police on several occasions. An often aggressive man with a short fuse, Damien had been involved in almost a dozen fights with other men on the island since he arrived. He was once described as being comparable to a pressure cooker without a safety valve. Eventually, some people thought that he would explode. Each of the fights Damien got involved in seems to have occurred after the consumption of alcohol, which he may have had problems with and abused. One key point to note is that there doesn't appear to be any history of Damien being violent to Isabella, their kids or anyone in their family or close circle before the events I'll come on to shortly. That seems a good place to segue into introducing Damien and Isabella's two children. The couple's first child was a daughter whom they named Kinga. Kinga was born in November 2005, a few months after the couple tied the knot that summer. She went on to attend Doverne School in Jersey, which is possibly pronounced Doverne, and was described by a reception teacher, Kirsty Hawksworth, as an incredibly bubbly little girl with bags of personality. She was full of both beans and life, and showed a particular interest in art. The fun-loving girl, whose favourite colour was pink, naturally, would sometimes bring in a Polish dictionary for beginners that her school friends would look at in amazement. Miss Hawksworth said of Kinger, One day she brought in a little Polish dictionary and was teaching the children Polish words. It was so lovely. She held her own, stood up, and she had all the children eating out of her hand. They loved learning what she could do. Damien and Isabella's second child, a son they named Katzber, was welcomed to the world in 2008, but there isn't much information about him online. Damien worked even harder on the building sites now he had a couple of little mouths to feed, but in the back of his mind, he felt like Jersey might not be the place for him after all. It isn't clear why he thought that, but Damien had dreams of moving the family back to Poland and was doing his best to save money here and there to fund the move. Isabella's dad, Marek, who was by then living with them in Jersey, was firmly against the idea. The family had a good thing going in Jersey, and he couldn't understand why Damien would want to risk throwing all his hard work away by moving back to their native Poland. The summer of 2011 is when this story started to escalate. Damien's building site colleagues noticed the father of two becoming ever more stressed as the weeks went on, and his behaviour had changed slightly. One colleague recalled looking at Damien one day and thinking he could snap any time. He had this look in his eyes that made you think he wasn't all there and that his mind was on something far more sinister. Damien never spoke to anyone about his mental health, so he had no constructive outlet for his anger. He turned to the demon drink instead. Isabella, like her dad, seemed more than content living in Jersey with her family. She was a loving mother who enjoyed baking for her kids and frequently played games with them whilst their dad was at work. As a couple, Damien and Isabella had begun to grow apart. The ongoing disputes over moving to Poland were likely a huge contributing factor, 
but another was that Isabella was secretly seeing another man behind Damien's back. She had been seeing him for two months when she confessed the affair to her husband in June 2011. The pressure cooker that was Damien Jashovsky continued to build upon hearing that news. As a means of getting back at Isabella, Damien is said to have gone out and had a one night stand with another woman. That didn't have the positive effect he perhaps thought it would and he soon fell into a state of severe depression. Damien's mental health got so bad that he started exhibiting psychotic symptoms from his condition and was prescribed antidepressant medication to combat it. Isabella felt terrible about the affair and even considered ending her own life. It likely made for a very toxic atmosphere at home. Luckily, Marek was there to take care of the kids given the mental health situations of both Damien and Isabella that summer. By July 2011, Damien's mental health had deteriorated so much he attempted to take his own life by swallowing a large quantity of his antidepressant pills. The number of pills he swallowed was between 60 and 80, with the correct number varying depending on which source you believe. He was swiftly taken to the hospital and quickly recovered, returning home after one night's stay. The final straw for Damien was not Isabella's infidelity, although that certainly contributed to him deciding to swallow all those pills. Damien had gotten in touch with a property developer back home in Poland and sent across 50,000 Polish swota, which is worth between 9,000-9,500 British pounds. The low-level details of the investment are not known, but it's stated in several sources that Damien's dad was the power of attorney for it, and that the developer was supposed to repay the money in monthly instalments of a thousand Polish Swota, roughly £185. A nervous breakdown followed. The end for Damien and his family was nigh. Someone close to the Zhezhovsky family had the following to say about it. Damien had already tried to kill himself after he found out about his wife's affair when this happened. He really wanted the property scheme to work to show his wife they could get through their problems, but when he found out he'd been ripped off by the developer, he could see no way out. He was desperate to move back home, but knew that Isabella never would after this. Throughout July 2011, Isabella posted a series of cryptic posts on social media site Facebook, now Meta. In one post she wrote, Few men get what they want, few men deserve what they get. Another post read, There is nothing more precious than life. Thank you to my friends for being able to count on you. On July 21st, 2011, Isabella posted something a bit more heartfelt. It read, I love you more than life. Together, holding hands, we will endure everything, because you are my love, faith, humility, and above all, my other half. A photo of Damien accompanied the post, as did a link to a song called Thank You by Polish pop group Various Manx. In a last-ditch effort to repair their failing marriage, Damien and Isabella set off to Poland without the kids. They hoped the trip, which lasted about three weeks, would reignite their hearts' dying flames. Even being back in his beloved native land didn't stop Damien's troubling behaviour and thoughts from coming to the surface. Whilst out there, he is said to have acquired the services of a sex worker and also had another one-night stand with a woman. His thoughts of suicide didn't diminish either, although he doesn't appear to have attempted to take his own life whilst out there. Rather than flying, the couple had decided to drive to Poland and back, a trip that takes about 24 hours each way in a car. They began the return trip on Saturday, August 13th, 2011, and arrived back at their Victorian terraced house in St. Helia, the capital of Jersey, at 8am on Sunday, August 14th, 2011. Damien drove the whole way and didn't stop off anywhere for a rest, so he'll have been absolutely shattered by the time they got home. 
The weather that Sunday was lovely, with highs of 18 degrees Celsius and lows of 14 degrees Celsius, that's 64 and 57 Fahrenheit respectively, it's what we Brits like to call barbecue weather. Whenever the temperature exceeds the teens, it's a good enough reason to blow the dust off the old barbecue and get the grill going. That was the plan that day. Isabella would drive with her dad Marek to collect her friend Marta de la Haye and her daughter Yulia and bring them back to the house at Upper Clarendon Road for a barbie. 34-year-old Marta was originally from Poland and, like the Zhishovskis, had moved to Jersey to start a new life. Earning a living as a care worker, Marta was married to a man named Craig, Yulia's dad. Craig was a Jersey local and Yulia, who was five, attended the same Saturday Polish school as Kinga. The two girls were the same age. An interesting note about Marta and Craig is that, according to one source, Marta had rowed with Craig that Sunday and sought refuge at Damien and Isabella's house. Craig had allegedly been caught kissing another woman at a party earlier in the month which led to the police being summoned to their home. Even though it was Marta that phoned the police, she was the one that ended up being arrested on suspicion of assault, as Craig had several scratch marks on his face. Marta was then released on bail and banned from the couple's home for the time being, hence she needed a place to go. How true that is, I'm not sure, so take it with a pinch of salt. After leaving to collect Marta and Yulia at roughly 12.30pm, Isabella left Damien in charge of Kinga and Katzber. When Isabella returned half an hour later, the kids were home alone. Damien was nowhere to be seen. A few minutes later, Damien walked through the door and was berated by Isabella for leaving the kids unsupervised. From then on, Damien claims to have blacked out and doesn't remember any of what happened in the following hours. With the camel's back well and truly broken by the straw that was Isabella's criticism, Damien strangely bided his time before reacting. He would wait a full 1 hour and 45 minutes before undertaking one of the most brutal family annihilations I've ever come across. This is the portion of the show I was referring to in my trigger warning earlier, so feel free to skip ahead if you don't want to hear about the murders. The first person attacked by Damien was Marek, Isabella's dad, who was minding his business watching Polish TV on his bed. Damien grabbed two kitchen knives from the knife block in the kitchen, entered Marek's bedroom, and stabbed him a total of nine times. One of the two knives became lodged in Marek's spinal cord and remained there as the 56-year-old attempted to crawl out of his bedroom towards the living room where the rest of the family were. The reason for killing Marek first is open to debate, but the case prosecutors at the trial suggested Damien's reason for doing so was to eliminate the only other male present at the house. Marek succumbed to his injuries shortly after being attacked. The living room of the property sounds like it was open plan as it contained a dining table. Sat at the dining table in a high chair was two-year-old Katzper, who was playing with some of his toy cars. The toddler was stabbed a total of 13 times by his dad, five times to his chest and eight times in the back. Like his granddad, Katzper also died at the scene. The two five-year-old girls, Kinga and Yulia, were painting together in the living room when Damien murdered them. They were each stabbed 16 times, with Kinga being stabbed three times in her chest and 13 times in her back. It appeared as though Yulia was initially attacked in the living room, but somehow managed to get up and make it to the hallway before being attacked by Damien for a second time. Marta was then stabbed by Damien and left for dead, before the killer finally turned his attention to his wife, Isabella. The fact he left Isabella for last speaks volumes. He wanted her to see the devastation unfolding in front of her before she suffered the same fate. 
Isabella ran through the house and sought refuge in a bathroom where she attempted to call the emergency services using Damien's phone. In her panic, Isabella inadvertently dialed 997, the Polish emergency services number, rather than 999. She planned to escape out the bathroom window, but she realised she would have then been trapped in the courtyard below. Bravely, Isabella made a run for it. She ran back through the house and headed for the front door, while Marta was attempting to stagger outside herself. Marta collapsed in the doorway as Isabella ran through the front door with knife-wielding Damien in hot pursuit. Inevitably, Damien caught up with his wife and stabbed her three times in the chest in the middle of the street, in full view of their neighbours. The first 999 call that afternoon was made at 2.58pm by a neighbour, quickly followed by another call at 3pm. Some neighbours made their way outside and planned to intervene, but Damien simply pointed the knife at them, as if to warn them from coming any closer. Damien then went back inside the house, shut the door, and stabbed himself in the chest twice, puncturing one of his lungs. The entire murder spree from start to finish lasted no more than 15 minutes. Paramedics and police officers soon arrived at the quiet street. Isabella, Kinga, Marta and Yulia were all taken to Jersey General Hospital, but sadly, none of their lives could be saved. Damien was found in an upstairs bedroom with a knife next to him. He was also taken to Jersey General Hospital and survived his self-inflicted injuries. For a few hours, Damien was left alone in his hospital bed with a guard outside to allow him to recover enough to be questioned. As soon as he was fit enough, he was advised that he was under arrest on suspicion of six murders. Rather than being remanded to prison, Damien was remanded to Broadmoor, where he explained to psychiatrist Dr. Samrat Sangupta that he could not recall carrying out the murders. Dr. Sangupta said he had no reason to believe Damien was lying. He looked at medical records from before the attack, reports in the days after, and tests and investigations at Broadmoor to back up that claim. Whilst he was in Broadmoor, some newspapers reported that Isabella may have been pregnant to another man, which resulted in the murders taking place. The spin they tried to put on the story was that it was an honour killing, but a later post-mortem of Isabella's body confirmed that she was not pregnant at the time of her death. August 14th, 2012 marked the one-year anniversary of the murders. A memorial service was held at St. Thomas's Catholic Church in St. Helier. Father Stanislaw Adamiak and Jersey's Catholic Dean Monsignor Nicholas Franz led the proceedings. Ten days later, on August 24th, 2012, Damien Chizhovsky was at Jersey's Royal Courthouse in St. Helier for his trial. He did not plead guilty to six murders. Instead, he pleaded guilty to six counts of manslaughter by reason of diminished responsibility. He claimed to have heard voices in his head on the day of the murders. Before I let you know what the verdicts were, let me give you a bit of information about Jersey's Royal Court. It's composed of the bailiff, deputy bailiff and jurats. Jurat is what they call jurors, essentially. It's slightly different because jurats are appointed by an electoral college and hold office until the age of 72. They aren't just random members of the public summoned for jury duty on a case-by-case basis. According to gov.je, Jersey's official website, the current bailiff is Sir Timothy Lecoch, the deputy bailiff is Mr Robert McRae, and there are 12 jurats with varying levels of seniority. Back in August 2012, the bailiff was Sir Michael Burt. He, along with two elected lay jurors, cleared Damien Jushovsky of murder and instead found him guilty on six manslaughter charges. That decision was made after two hours of deliberation. Whilst the whole island awaited Damien's sentencing, 
Kinga's reception teacher, Miss Hawksworth, revealed that her school friends had created a memorial garden outside her old classroom in her memory. Miss Hawksworth said, When it came to doing Kinga's garden, the children wanted to do something special for her. A lot of what is out there is what the children wanted her to have. We have put out a pink blossom tree because pink was Kinga's favourite colour. It hasn't blossomed yet. It is very small, a bit like Kinga. She was very small. Hopefully as the tree grows, it will be like Kinga's life almost. She just loved having fun, and that is what we want the children to be doing out there, to enjoy themselves. On October 29th, 2012, Damien Jashovsky was sentenced to six concurrent 30-year sentences for the murders of Marek Gatska, Isabella Kinga and Katsper Jashovsky, and Marta and Yulia de la Haye. Judge Sir Michael Burt, who passed the sentence in front of all 12 of Jersey's jurats, said, The horror and brutality of these killings is hard to believe. Within a quarter of an hour or so, six people had their lives cruelly cut short at the hands of this defendant. Family liaison officer Detective Constable Daria Harasimovic read the following statement after sentencing on behalf of the Gatska family. This tragedy is even more painful as we have lost our children and grandchildren. Knowing that we will never be able to play with Kinga and Yulia again, or cuddle little Katsper, and we can never talk to Isabella, Marta or Marek again, makes the pain unbearable. There's one final twist in this tale. While serving out his sentence at HMP Full Sutton in the East Riding of Yorkshire, Damien Jashovsky was found dead in his cell on March 31st, 2018. His suicide was confirmed by a home office pathologist who stated his cause of death was hanging. Damien's death brought the total number in this horrendous case to seven. The Jersey family annihilation, as it came to be known, will forever go down as one of the worst things to ever happen on the island shores. And that was the story of murderer Damien Jashovsky. Thanks again, Naomi, for suggesting that case. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. I've got eight new reviews to read out this week, so bear with me. Jada Murray left a five-star review on BritishMurders.com titled Amazing Podcast Best Around. It reads, Stuart recently covered my suggestion, which was the Peter Moore episode. Couldn't have covered it any better. So much detail and information. Thanks, mate. Your Welsh could do with some improving. Keep it up, mate. Annie left a five-star review on BritishMurders.com titled Amazing. It reads, Love listening to this podcast while I'm studying. Straight to the point and the episodes are really well done. The Dogs 55555 left a five-star review on Apple Podcast Thailand titled Top Show. It reads, My go-to crime podcast. Superb. Keep it pumpy. Gruts from Thailand. Karen Hicks recommended British Murders on Facebook by saying, Thank you to Stuart for this wonderful podcast. I found this after it was recommended on Spotify. Having been binge listening whilst at work, have now caught up. The bite-sized episodes keep my attention all day whilst I'm gardening. Not only do I love the Yorkshire accent, but then, who doesn't? I also like how the episode is delivered detailed and succinctly. Keep up the good work. Looking forward to the next episode. Trask O'Rourke left a five-star review on BritishMurders.com titled Very Good. It reads, Randomly stumbled on this podcast and I've been listening ever since. You do an amazing job. Keep it up, Hoss. Roscoe2121 left a five-star review on Apple Podcast titled Ross from Rugby. It reads, Credit where it's due. This is a top-class podcast. Stuart's warm manner makes the subject so more palatable, yet he's still respectful of victims' families. Brilliant research with so many lesser-known cases. I'd highly recommend to any true crime fan as this is right up there. 
Keith Thripp left a five-star review on BritishMurders.com titled Big Fan. It reads, I found this podcast on Spotify and for the last two weeks I have binged for around six hours a day. The presentation is brilliant and the guests are always very interesting. For me, I was fascinated by the lady judge from the Old Bailey. I give this a big 10 out of 10. And finally, Krish Knapp left a five-star review on Apple Podcasts called Northern Soul, which when I read it, absolutely made me chuckle, I must admit. It reads, Stuart looks and sounds like a failed Hollyoaks actor, but don't let this put you off, as his narration and dulcet northern tones are more than adequate and enough to keep you coming back for more. <laughs> I'll take that in a good way. Thank you, Jaden, Annie, Grutz, Karen, Trask, Ross, Keith, and Krishnap for leaving the show such lovely reviews. Suppose you'd like to leave a review of the show and have it read on a future episode, you can do so on iTunes, Facebook, Podchaser, or at BritishMurders.com. You can also leave star ratings on Spotify. If you'd like to support the show on Patreon or donate on a one-off basis via Buy Me A Coffee, you can find the links for each on my website. Thank you and welcome to my newest Patreon members, Destiny, Hillis and Kate. Please continue sending case suggestions to britishmurderspodcast at gmail.com or message me via social media. You'll not only get the episode covered, but you'll also get a cheeky shout out. That's it for another episode. I've been Stuart Blues. This has been British Murders. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, cheerio.